Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Our number is 291-6900. Excuse me, 6901. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, we got those numbers consecutively like that. 291-6900 is a shop. And right. 6901 is a show. So they just kind they of kind of flow together. Yeah, it kind of flows together. But it also flows together in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. when I've had a week off. There you go. That, that kind of messes you up. <laughs> That's exactly right. Hey, give us calls. 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We always appreciate the calls all around the country and all around the town. And even all around the world with the right mm-hmm. world code. There you go. You, however you want to do it, you <laughs> give us a call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. You know, we were talking just before the break, uh-huh. or excuse me, before we came in about just different things in the automotive business that go on and such. And I had an email earlier this week from a gentleman, and he had a problem with a noise in his car that he said it was the same whether he was coasting or driving. Right. And it kind of went away at higher speed, and he was a little concerned about it. Anyway, he had asked me, and from the way he was describing it, I was thinking more or less it might have been like a wheel bearing kind of a noise. From the description he gave? From the description, yeah. But apparently it was more of a whistle or a whine than a roar. Okay. And he ended up taking it into the shop. And what they found was a vacuum line had come off. So it was a vacuum noise. Right. It was air running through the... Right, which was making a noise. And what he said is they found the problem relatively quickly. They charged him what he thought was a reasonable fee. They charged him for one hour diagnosis to find the problem and, and repair it. it they cut the end off the hose stuck it back on it had split on the end right just no which hose. repaired it and he would have been real happy because they were able to see him fairly quickly they found the problem fairly quickly he found that the rate was fairly reasonable uh-huh. you know knowing what things cost but they charged him for 17 dollars shop supply so they broke out an extra line right. just to add the shop supply line and I'm sure that in that particular establishment, they've just got their software set up where for every hour of labor, it automatically throws in a fee for shop supplies. But that was just kind of like a slap across the face to it. And rightly so, I think I would have felt the same way. I know we've never charged that. We've got a fee that if, let's say we're doing a job cleaning a throttle body and we use a throttle body cleaner. Right. Well, then we're going to charge for the cleaner that was used in the job. Sure, not but, the whole can. Right. It'll be itemized out a percentage. A percentage of the can. Right. Whatever was used on that particular car at the amount that was used. But this whole notion of just sticking an amount in there just for some, just to cover everything. And I've seen them use, when they put that line down, they'll charge for the whole can. Right. Well, only part of it gets used. Or charge a fee that's way above that. Even. Sure. I mean, I understand there are supplies used in jobs from time to time. However, if it's not an itemized thing, you can't tell me what this is. Mm-hmm. You can't just automatically stick an extra charge in there, Right. in my opinion. And it took what could have been a pleasant experience and turned it into a guy feeling sort of like he'd been ripped off. Right. And... I want to talk a little bit more about that and just ways of dealing with shops and, and so on. But I see we've got a phone call. Oop, I guess we must have dropped him. But talking about dealing with an automotive shop and 
course, we one of the questions we get a lot is how do I find a good automotive shop? And there is finding a shop, which is a complex task. Sure. And there's also realizing when you have a good shop. Right. Because I have found a lot of times folks can get angry about things. I've had people come to me before what they considered a problem that after I heard it, it really wasn't a problem. It was just a misunderstanding. So, you know, you got to watch those kinds of things. Let's see if we can catch this caller. Good morning. Man, I'm sorry we have trouble with our phone line. Yeah. Just keep trying. We'll see if we can get you back in. But what can happen very often is that we'll have a guy come in and say, look, I've got this guy I've been using for a few years. I was pretty happy with him, but he fixed my check engine light, and then about six months later it came back on again. And I don't think he fixed it. Well, maybe, but maybe not. Because what you got to remember, and I'm only going to pick on check engine lights as one instance, but there are probably 2,000 things that can make that light come on. And that's a single light. And there's only one light. Right. So no matter what happens, the problem that you're going to see is the check engine light is on. Sure. But that could be anything from a transmission fixing to go out to a wire disconnected to the engine running out of gas to... The throttle body right. off calibration. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Like I said, literally 2,000 things are being checked, and the symptom is always going to be the check engine light is on. You know, to take that a little bit further, when you read that check engine light, you get a code mm-hmm. for the system that is malfunctioning. Correct. That code should be on your invoice. Right. And next time the light comes on, it'll set another code. If it's the same code, then you have the same problem. Right. If it's not the same code, then you have a different problem, and that's why, that's how it should be listed out. Right. Well, and that way you know that, well, okay, I'm having the same problem recurring, or I'm having a, a different new problem. problem, new and different problem. And I don't know why a shop wouldn't do that. I know that some don't, but I don't know why they wouldn't, because that's in their best interest, sure, for sure, to document the code and let people know document the repair right right so everybody knows what they're getting it'd be like going to the grocery store and getting a bag of just says bag of groceries yeah (laughs) yeah but what was in the bag (laughs) you need to have it itemized out and documented so when you get home if your bread's not in there did you pay for a bread or not exactly you can look back at that invoice right yeah i paid for bread so if i got a po420 code and then Two months later, it comes back as PO420 again on the same bank. Well, and I know we, know we got a we problem here that's recurring. Now, if it comes back and I got a 740, then that's a whole totally different, different That's a whole different yep. set of circumstances. Let's see if we can catch a few of these phone calls. We got Peter online. Good morning, Peter. Hey, guys. I got a little problem with my 2010 Honda Pilot. Okay. When I drive on the highway going up a grade, I get a shimmy in the steering wheel, like a rotational mm-hmm. oscillation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's when I let go of the gas, it seems to go away. Okay. okay. And I think if you go fast, like it's between 65 and 70. Mm-hmm. I think if you go faster, you don't have it. If you go 60 up a hill, you don't have it. So it's kind of like a sweet spot. I'm going to tell you what where, is the most common thing on that vehicle, Peter, is the inner right. CV joint on one side or the other is going bad. All right. That's pretty notorious on that vehicle. We change a lot of those. We change a lot of those. And it's kind of difficult to determine which one it is because it's not like an outer CV joint where it clicks. It just vibrates under load. And, again, if you let off the gas and it immediately goes away, then that pretty right. much gives it away. Mm-hmm. Or you can get it in that right. little sweet spot when it's doing it, kick it, neutral, it coast through that spot. And if it's not right. there, then that's very likely. Right. 
Can I can I like push up and down on the CD couplet? You're, you're going to you get movement, yeah, but there's going to be they, movement yeah, in right. anyway because movement in transaxle and there's some movement in those rollers. Right. What you would really right. have to do is take the boot off, take it apart, take your finger in the little grooves in there that the rollers slide in, and feel those. You're gonna find like a dip in one of them or you know, okay. a bad spot in there. Yeah. But if you go to all of that, you just about as soon replace the axle because right. I think those axles are available from Honda as a remanufactured axle, and they're pretty decent. I've used okay. the, the remanufactured axles. Okay. Yeah. Do not, whatever you do, go with the new yeah. aftermarket axles. Yeah, Those, those are, are absolute junk. junk. They will shake worse than the ones you had in there before. I mean, that's Chinese okay. knockoff junk. Definitely. Go Definitely to Honda and get a Honda Reman is a good axle. And I think they're All fairly right. reasonably fairly priced. Fairly reasonable. Yeah, I want to say you're going to pay about 200 bucks a piece for them. Say not so too you, bad. Go, you go right to the Honda. Right to the Correct. Honda yes, sir. Correct. Okay. All right, I have another question. Okay. Don't mind? Sure. All right, my dad My dad has a 1999 Toyota Camry. Mm-hmm. has original brakes. Okay. Drives real slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, he uh, when he goes over bumps, we can hear like a rattle from like the seems like the suspension mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's been going on for a long time so he can't hear too good but mm-hmm. so it doesn't bother him but yeah i was thinking what could that be i'm there's, gonna tell you there's several things yeah, in there that that could be the two most common one would be the upper strut mounting it's a rubber mount on top of the mcpherson strut and that rubber deteriorates right. over time you can actually open the hood right. and look down in the top of it and you can kind of see cracks starting to form in it Okay. And that's usually an indica- a pretty good indication. That's real common. Another thing would be the sway bar in links. It's the little links that hook the sway bar to the body of the car. And right. I those, think I changed those already. Okay. okay. They were, they were, it was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Those are real notorious for making noise. Also, the little bushes and the frame, the little D-shaped bushes where the bar hooks to the frame. You can grab the bar uh, and see if you can move it up and down and recreate the noise. That's another mm-hmm. fairly common on older cars like that. The the strut itself could have worn out. The little, little bronze bushing is it just runs on that shaft, and the weight of the car pushing in on it and it rolling up and down, it'll wear that bronze bushing and that shaft will rattle in that strut housing. But the only way to to find it is to take it out, take it apart, because it's got the spring tension on it when you take the whole unit out and you can't feel it. But once you get the spring right. off of it, then you can kind of wobble it back and forth. Right. And if there's any burnt marks, just colored marks on the shaft, on the shaft itself, that's a pretty good indication. Mm-hmm. So I would just change the strut and the upper mount. You, yeah, you could do that as well. That's I the mean, way to do it. Why you can't you're in there. Yeah. You can buy that whole unit, top to bottom, spring, mount, everything. I think oh, really? they're available from KYB. Yeah, I would feel pretty good with a KYB mount. Now, that would some be, of the yeah. other ones I've seen are just absolute mm-hmm. trash. I mean, they, they're really, right. really bad. I am not can't name brand names on the air, but some of the big brand names you've always heard and trusted really aren't too good anymore. If you can find the name KYB, I feel pretty good with those. Yeah. I've used those. Alternatively, you can buy a KYB strut and buy a mount from Toyota. Right. right. Well, that's put great it back advice. Maybe, mm-hmm. just, maybe it's easier to just buy a one unit and done with it mm-hmm. if they're available, if they're available they yeah because yeah, they're, they're real easy to change you got the whole unit you have to compress the spring and everything now you will have to right. have the alignment rechecked right when you get done because there's oh, an really? adjust okay. there's there's slack where the strut bolts to the knuckle mm-hmm. there's a little bit of movement right there and a little bit of movement there throws the toe way off mm-hmm. so right. when, after you changed it after you got everything solid then go have the front end right. readjusted mm-hmm. well fantastic guys i love the advice okay great right, Peter, where are you calling from peter Connecticut. Oh, okay. wow. Wow. Well, how's your yeah. weather up there? Is it cooled off yet? Oh, it's beautiful. It's like uh, about 70 degrees. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Really I guess nice. y'all haven't leaves changed here for too much longer, huh? 
Right, right, right. <laughs> Getting there. You feel the fall already. Oh, yeah. That's great. Great. All right, All right. Peter. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you got time for the auto, <laughs> if you <laughs> want to listen to us, there you go. Boy, you missed one week. You're I'm telling totally you. totally off key. All right, we're going back to our line with James. Good morning, James. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Yeah, I have a question about, uh, actually, it's about purchasing the vehicle. There's a, um, found a new car dealer who has, actually has some, about a dozen 2016 okay. models, and they're brand new. Mm-hmm. And I assume they've just been sitting on the lot Correct. for two years, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, would that concern you, a brand new vehicle that's maybe just been well it, it would concern me a little bit only because it's been sitting for two years but that being said if the money was right you know right. They, they're generally going to give you a full factory warranty on it from the date of purchase and it goes by miles will be the same but yeah i know people who have bought those vehicles and had pretty good luck with them i mean not every vehicle gets sold every year and the ones that get carried over generally discount them pretty deeply yeah. i mean i'd be wanting to buy that way 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 under normal selling price just because of what it is, you know, number one, you're losing value because a year old already or two years old already. Right. So it's just a matter of money with me, but I wouldn't be too concerned about the car itself. I mean, it would be better to have a new car that had been driven and, you know, hadn't been sitting like that. But if you can work a deal where the numbers are good enough, I wouldn't be too scared of it. Yeah, that's the main thing, just trying to figure out how much how much off that because uh, the 2018s are sitting right next to them yeah right. exactly the, the, the msrp is only a couple of thousand but well what i, I would do you got to go way low to yeah i would look it up as a used vehicle of that year model and see what what it's worth as a used vehicle and very low mileage used yeah very low right. mileage used vehicle and maybe add a little bit because it is new and does have a warranty but i won't i don't want to be too much above what a used vehicle of that year would be okay all righty all right, thank you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, first quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Ever plan to move west? Travel so, Tina, way. are you interested in shopping next weekend? Oh, well, me and Harold leave for our European cruise on Friday. Another cruise? What? Are you all blowing the kids' inheritance? <laughs> no, we're just smart with our money. Like, our cars are paid off, and we're big on preventative maintenance. Harold takes them in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what we need to keep the cars running right. You'd be surprised on how fast you can save for a cruise without two car notes. <laughs> wow, I never thought of that. I have time to do a little shopping this afternoon, though. I've got to get Harold a bathing suit. He keeps saying he wants one of those tiny Speedo suits because that's what everybody wears in Europe. And I cannot let that happen. Okay, now I have an image of Harold strutting around the pool in a Speedo. I think I'm going to book a general inspection from Agco to clear my mind. He wanted hot pink, too. (laughs) Tina, stop. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us in the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And that's what Mark did. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, gentlemen. I uh, just need a little suggestion from you guys. Okay. Uh, I appreciate y'all covering a long time ago a lot of information about torque specs, proper wheel mounting, the kind of things that can occur that end up happening to the next guy who takes the wheel off. Right. And, you know, you got a snap lug, things like that, okay? Mm-hmm. So my wife's got a, you know, this precious new Honda 2016 Pilot. We're right at 30K. 
have not rotated the tires. What I'm asking is how bad would it be to just not ever rotate them? Because, honestly, it's hard to make time. It's hard to, mm-hmm. you know, give it up to a shop. Even you guys, it's, it's, it's an inconvenient thing, period, right, right, no matter right. how good you are. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, honestly, I don't want to bring it to anybody else. I really don't. Right. Because everybody else is like, get it in, get it out, get it in, get it out. You know, zoom, 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 boom. There you go. So yeah. Like, what would be the worst? That's, That's a good never, question, Mark. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people elect not to rotate their tires. And it's really not a big, big, big problem with not rotating them. What's going to happen is that the fronts are going to tend to wear a little faster because they're doing the pulling and doing the steering. So they'll wear a little faster than the rears will. But alternatively, the rears are going to last longer than the fronts did. So, basically, you're going to end up with about the same thing, but it's just you're going to change two tires at a time. Instead of four. Instead of four. It's, uh, not, it's not that big of an issue. Some people, I find, over-rotate their tires. I've got people who want to rotate every 3,000 miles. And I tell them, I say, you're not doing any good at all because you're putting the tire back on the front. All of, It's not staying on the back long to flatten out. So, mm. most, like with Michelin, they recommend between seven and 9,000 miles to rotate. But to answer your question, I know a lot of people who never rotate at all. And two tires do wear out before the other two, but the other two last longer. So, they feel that they kind of get the same thing as far as lifetime. Another yeah. thing is they feel that, hey, it breaks it up. I don't have to buy four tires at one time. Now, other people like buying four tires at one time. And I agree with to that. Them, yeah. It, yeah. You may extend the life of the tire a little bit, but if you don't, I mean, especially if you have to pay someone to rotate. At one time, rotating tires was pretty much a free thing, but nowadays more and more and more people are charging to rotate and charging a fairly hefty fee because of all these tire monitoring systems. Yep. Man, it can take a half hour to look up and reset yeah. everything just to do that i mean so it's it's a charged procedure now so i gotta say i am not real big on rotating my tires normally if i'm in there doing something else i'll swap them front to rear but i don't religiously just go in and rotate my tires and i know people don't rotate at all yeah maybe just do it one time well and you could just watch the tires yeah. I mean, you watch yeah. the tires. If, let's say, two of them are starting to chop up more, well, then, yeah, it would make sense to rotate them to even that wear pattern out some. Gotcha. But if you watch the tires and they're all wearing about the same amount, you know, I had a really good customer of mine. Poor gentleman died not too long ago, mm-hmm. but he never, ever, ever rotated tires on his cars. And I talked to him about it several times, and he said, well, I watch tires. They don't really wear. I get the same. And I said, well, you know, I can't argue with that. You know, if, if that's working for you, that's a great idea. Because every time a tire goes on off a car, like you said, there's a chance a stud can get stripped. It can get dismounted. Di- you know, you know, who knows what right. all things. You can end up yeah. with a tire ride disturbance, you know, because this tire wasn't exactly the same yeah. wear as that tire. So, yeah, it's, exactly it's, not, it's not a silver bullet rotating tire solves all the problems. It can create problems, too. And I'm not saying just don't ever do it. But watch yeah. your tires. And if they're wearing perfectly even, you're not getting on unusual tire wear, and you don't want to do it every 5,000 miles, then I would have to agree with that. Okay. Very good. Very All right. Good. All right. Moving along. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay, Mark. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. 499. Boy, I tell you, I am way, way, way out of the loop here. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I just thought about it. I didn't drink a cup of coffee this morning. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's got to be it. That's exactly right. <laughs> Try 291-6901. That'll get you right straight on up to us. And – you know, Mark brings up a good point there, and I've got an article on my website on rotating tires, mm-hmm. and there are several ways to rotate tires. Of course, straight front to back is one. You can take the fronts, cross them to the rear. That's another. 
several ways that it can be done, and not rotating them at all is another way. Sure. And that is not universally wrong. Any, As it's not more, universally right. Yeah, it's not universally right to rotate them all the time. Exactly. It's what works best for you. And some people are very, very, very busy. It's very hard, very inconvenient for them to get in to get the tires rotated. Right. If your tires are not wearing at all, and as of you getting perfectly because the only on purpose, the front and on the rear, yeah, the only purpose is to even out the wear front to rear. Correct. That's why you're doing it. If you're not experiencing that, then there's no need. Yeah, you really don't have to do it. It's not a mandatory thing. It's just one of those things that you might do that might save you some money. You know, like like everything else. But again, you have to weigh it all out. Exactly. Yeah. See, all our lines are lit up. We've got Alex online. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. I have a. It's not a tire issue. I have a 2005 Toyota Camry, mm-hmm. and it, it's giving me a check engine code of a, a P0335 okay. and a P0340. And those are a crankshaft position sensor mm-hmm. and camshaft position sensor. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it runs fine. I can't find anything wrong with it. I just don't know where to go from where I'm at. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sell the car. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to have to take that to someone yeah. else, especially if you got both of those codes and it's still running. Obviously, the sensors are not bad or it wouldn't be running. So you may have some type of malfunction where they're not syncing between each other. It could be any number of things. It could be a loose connector or something on one of the things. It's going to be hard to find that, and you're going to need someone probably is, professional right. who can put a scope on it to see what's going on because it's not something you can be able to just go in and start changing parts. I mean, it could be anything as serious as a stretch timing chain. That would be the worst-case scenario. Okay. Uh, the best case is probably a loose connector at one of the sensors, and it's not seeing each other because those two sensors sync to each other. So when it sets one, it can easily – if it lose sight of one, it may set both. Right. Right. Uh, it could even right. be a failed PCM where the computer is just not seeing not syncing it up. So I'm thinking you're probably going to have to take that to someone who's pretty shrewd because, like you said, trying to sell a car with that light on, they're going to assume the worst. Mm-hmm. And, right, right. You know, they're going to knock $5,000 off the price of the car because the light's on. And, you know, it, it could be an expensive repair, but it ain't going to be anything like that to fix, you know. Right, it, it would right. be worth fixing before you sell the car. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, sir. All right, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's see. We catch a few more of these calls before the break. We got Jerome online. Good morning, Jerome. Yes, good morning, Jim. How are you doing today? Doing great, doing sir. Great, great, great. great. Yes, uh, I worked my way through college at Sears Automotive, mm-hmm. you know, tires and you know, putting in batteries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just got in the car about maybe three minutes ago and heard the comment about the tire rotation. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were very accurate mm-hmm. to what you were saying. However, uh, I'd like to kind of warn the public a little mm-hmm. bit and kind of mm-hmm. get your opinion on this. Sure. Because uh, I don't rotate my tires all the time either. Mm-hmm. But what can happen is once you've gone through maybe two or three sets of front tires because you aren't rotating, mm-hmm. you need to be careful because those back tires may look good. Oh, yeah. But you may start, they have a lot of tread wear, but you may start running into a possible dry riding. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. We, we've covered out a bunch on the show, uh, Jerome, where six years, most people agree, is the outside limit on any tire. Yes, sir. Yeah, and if you're mounting and that's only a good two, point. if you're only mounting two, those two need to go on the rear, so you're going to rotate to the front anyway. Right, right. And there's a, normally, when you put two new tires, you'll put the new ones on the rear. Is the newer thinking on that? The, so the back one should get rotated to the front at that time, which would equal out that wear some and the date checked at the same and time. Inspect the date code on every tire because six years is the outside limit on any tire. But that is a good point because you have you left two tires in a car and they got old. That could be a much bigger issue. And I have seen them just like you said with good yeah. good tread, but they're old. 
We had a set yes, come sir. in the other day. Mm-hmm. They were uh, they were right at seven years old. Mm-hmm. Look brand new. You know what we yes. see that a lot is like on motorhomes. Our trailers. Where people don't use them a lot. Yep. And the tires are 10 years old. And, I mean, those are those big 10-ply, 12-ply tires, so they're expensive. And there's a whole bunch of them on there, and they don't want to change them. But, man, you got a guided missile going down the interstate with 10-year-old tires on it. Yeah, especially when you're riding around Louisiana mm-hmm. in this May, Bruce, September heat. That's right. All right, Drum. Well, I sure appreciate the tip. Appreciate you, Jim. Have a good weekend, and go Tigers. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, let's see if we can catch Dale before the break. Good morning, Dale. Good morning. How you guys doing? Doing morning. great, sir. Good morning. Beautiful weekend. I hope everybody enjoys it. Listen, got a quick question. 2003 Dodge Ram 1500-4.7. I'm starting to get some vibrations. Started about three or four days ago. Whenever I'm getting up, accelerating around 50 to 53 miles an hour on up into the 60s, it'll... You know, you pretty high-frequency vibrations. I let off the gas, and it doesn't seem to really go away. I put it in neutral, and it seems to diminish a little bit more, but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to all go away altogether. Notice it mostly on acceleration, but as you're driving down the road at 55, 60 miles an hour, you can still feel it. Man, I would be looking for a U-joint first yep. off, and it, not not thinking. a U-joint that's just worn out where you can grab the drive shaft and feel slack in it, but a U-joint mm-hmm. that's tight. Right. What happens is they start to go bad and dry up. Those rollers will get tight in there, and it will cause the exact vibration you're talking about. And even when you're coasting along, that drive shaft is still turning real fast, oh, yeah. about three times the speed of the, of the wheels. And it's at, the, it's at an angle. It's not straight, so it's having to flex in each phase as it goes mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. The only way to check that U-joint is to take the drive shaft out and physically move the caps and the joints and all the different phases and see which one of them is tight. Yeah, any of them have any resistance or any tightness in there at all, that's going to be the problem. And it may or may not have any slack in it. The old catch it and, I mean, yeah, a catastrophic yeah, fail joint will show up like that, but yeah, a tight joint will not show up like that. Yeah. All right, one other quick one before you all go to break. You're talking about the tire rotation. My wife's got a 012 Nissan Rogue, mm-hmm. and I was just wondering if you all know off the top of your head whether those have any special relearns for the – TPS system. Oh, I'm not. sure it does. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, a, lot of your, a lot of your Nissans, you got to have a Nissan scan tool to relearn them. Okay. Well, what I'll do, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to shoot you an email at dicoauto.com website, which is a wonderful site. Mm-hmm. And get you to just maybe look at that and see if that's something whenever I rotate these tires, whether I need to have somebody do something with it or yep. if it's one of the deals where. Because this one doesn't have where it'll show the tire pressure for each individual right, tire. Right. So I don't know if it's you know, location specific to that vehicle or if it's something where you can just rotate it yeah, as long as it's not best in the center Most up. all of them do have to be relearned now yeah. to, to okay. position. Well, good deal. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll shoot you an email, and uh, y'all have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Keep those people to the west of us in your prayers. Okay, Dale. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take our second quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Jim. Becky said you were in the office and, whoa, what is up with all the charts and graphs, buddy? Oh, I'm using my system I've developed to keep up with the maintenance on my three cars. Is that an armillary sphere? Yes, yes it is. So, the oil gets changed every third full moon. Brake pads divide the years Becky and I have been married by our oldest son's age. Timing belt is leap year, except when it's on the time. You know there's a better way, right? I just take my cars into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They give me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need. Sometimes it's just an oil change and they send me on my way. One time, they caught something that could have led to a huge repair. Saved me thousands. Wow, that sounds great. You know, I'm always trying to save money any way I can. 
Uh, let me get Agco's number online and uh, give him a call. Is that dial-up? Dude, there's a better way to save money. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hatred Tools. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 49. <laughs> you did it again. I know it. I know it. I'm going to let you start doing that. All right. Or go give me a cup of coffee one another. <laughs> <laughs> it's 291 There you go. I got it right. Got it right that time. <laughs> just a little All slow. Right. I'm just running low res, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were talking a little bit about tire rotation and stuff. Yeah. And, of course, there's somebody out there, well, Lewis says, okay, never rotate tires. That's not what I'm saying at all. Under certain circumstances, you do have to rotate tires. For instance, if you buy a set of tires that has a mileage warranty. Correct. You buy a set of 60,000-mile tires. That tire manufacturer is going to want to see Every that those tires have been rotated. He's on a timely basis. On a timely basis that he recommends. And he has the right to do that because he's expressing the warranty. Right. So you got to remember, if you don't rotate your tires and you do have a tire problem, that's going to be one of the things that are going to come up. It's sure. going to be an issue for you. So under those circumstances, I'm not trying to scare everybody and say, well, yeah, you got to do it. Me, personally, I'm going to watch my tires because I don't care about warranty. I never have been a warranty kind of guy. I buy a good product to start with. I take care of it, and then I don't believe in warranties. Everyone I've ever dealt with, it's just a way the manufacturer ends up screwing you anyway. <laughs> you know, you, you go buy an eight-year yep. battery, and it's two years old, and it goes bad, and you go back, and you want above list price after the adjustment. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I just don't play the warranty game. But the thing is, if you know, under certain circumstances, they may want to see – that the tires have been rotated. If mm-hmm. that is the case, if you're under some kind of a warranty on your tires or whatever, then you have to do what the tire guy says. Right. Other than that, if you like to wear your tires out pretty evenly, you like to get the most life out of a set of tires that you can, these are all reasons why you rotate tires. Mm-hmm. Now, some cars cannot be rotated. Right. They're different sizes front to rear. They're different widths front to rear. Different tread patterns, all right. kinds of things. You know, like a Corvette, for instance, has two different size tires front to rear. And they may even be directional side to side, so they can't be rotated at all. There's mm-hmm. nothing that can be done. Side-specific, spe- side position-specific Right, right. But, you know, I'm not saying rotation is without value because there is some value there. It does even tire wear out. Sure. It can, under certain circumstances, extend tire life. However, if it costs you way more money to rotate than the savings you're going to gain, it's like everything we talk about in the automotive hour, it's overall lowest cost. Correct. If I have to pay somebody... every time I rotate my tires because some ridiculously difficult reset procedure. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to save $75 worth of tire wear by rotating these tires every time they rotate it. So I might elect just not to rotate them. Sure. Or if I do not have a good service provider that I know I can trust, I may rotate them myself every once in a while or when the tires are off the car anyway, like saying you're having a brake service or something done, you may elect to ask, well, go ahead and rotate my tires while they're off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are ways you could combine services, cut costs, and make it a little more cost-effective for you to do it. Sure. But as far as just blanket, okay, every every 5,000 miles, I'm going tires, to rotate, right. If, if you like doing it, that's great. If it works for you, that's even better. If you have a wherewithal to reset the tire monitors Or if yourself, your car, you're lucky enough to have a car that doesn't, it doesn't require all that stuff. Right. Even better. But And, you know, that information is going to be in the owner's manual somewhere. It's kind of Dale had called and asked about that. That will be in his owner's manual. Right. Uh, if Just you look under the section with tires. Go to the back and go to the, yeah. 
The specifications. The, yeah. <laughs> the specifications. The glossary in the back. Right. There's a, just look under tires, and it'll give you everything you need to know about the tires. Yeah, Ro- reset when, procedure. When to rotate, what reset procedure, what tire to put on it, when to change tire. All that stuff is in, in your owner's manual somewhere. Right, because many times we've got to even go to the owner's manual to look it up because our service data isn't as accurate as what the owner's manual exactly. is. Exactly. So. Especially on the newer stuff, the 16, 17 stuff that the uh, service data hasn't come out with yet. We'll go to the owner's manual in the car. Yeah, that's one thing that's really inconvenient is that the manufacturers sending out service data to the repair industry is not a big, big priority for them. No. And I had a guy call me the other day with a 17 model something. He wanted to know the all pan drain plug torque on it. Uh-huh. And Honda just has not released it yet. Right. I'm sure that if you go to the the same or similar engine the year before, it's going to be very, very close. That's going to put you close enough. Honda, but Honda's good about that. They carry the same engine. I think they've carried that 3.5 for years. And they've carried it forever. Yeah, and you can do that to get an idea, but very, very often they just don't provide the service data right away like you think they would. You exactly. think when the 18s came out, the data would be out there. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not. <laughs> it kind of trickles out. <laughs> right. You can start getting a few things, and you get more, and you get more, and it takes maybe two to three years before you get full service data on everything. Exactly. And that's whether you're a dealership or an independent shop or whatever. They just don't – it's just not a top priority for them. Right. Like you would think it would be. Let's go back to our phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Morning, guys. i got a quick question about Mobile One. I'm a regular user of Mobile One Synthetic. I use it in my Tundra, and I use it in my wife's Lexus. Okay. The question I have is, is I went yesterday, and there's no just regular plain old Mobile One Synthetic. Yeah. High mileage. Right. And, uh, and from what I see, the, you know, it's marketing and the differences in price. Yeah. Is there a difference in those, in those oils? Is there a difference? In my opinion, there is no reasonable difference that you'd be worried about. I use the regular straight Mobile One product. I use it in everything, and I change it based on my usage and not any kind of thing. But they've got the extended life. They've got this. They've got that. I'm right. sure there's probably some type of additive or something they've put in there, but I think it's more marketing than anything else. I just don't. I think they see it as a market for people out there who keep their cars a long time, and if they put the word high mileage on there, that's going to pertain to them and they can yeah. get a few more dollars out of it. I think it's all marketing. I use the standard oil. I, ba- I make my changes based on my usage and not miles, and right. I've never, ever, ever had a problem with anybody or anything. I, I don't really buy into all that stuff. I think it's more just Madison it's Avenue marketing. type stuff than anything else. Right, right, right. Okay, I just wanted to get your, your opinion on that. I feel the same way, but mm-hmm. I just wasn't sure. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, sir. All right, thanks, John. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, you know, there's just tons and tons and tons of that stuff. And not only in automotive stuff. I was in the supermarket the other day, and there's a mature dog, dog food. There's oh, yeah. A, yeah, there's this there's, kind of dog food. Sure. Big dog, dog food. Little, little dog, dog, dog food. Big, <laughs> big chunks, little chunks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think what it is, Americans like choices, I guess, to some degree. But what you got to remember is all of that stuff increases cost. Sure. And it's like we were talking about before, the absolute ridiculous proliferation of parts on cars where there's so many different options that even with the VIN number, you can't be sure you're getting the right part a lot more. And what that does is drastically increases the cost of all this stuff to the consumer. Sure. And, you know, in our generation, one of the things we grew up with was the post-World War II mentality where everything was standardized. Right. Because if you are in a combat zone on Okinawa, you can't say, okay, does this I'm, parking brake handle fit this? <laughs> you know, this yeah. is a GPW Ford. 
design. This is a Willis design. No, no, no. It all, all has to fit. That's right. It was mandated. You can make this part, yeah. but it has to be to this specification so it fits this Yeah, the, the old standardized military spec is what kind of built America and sure. made things cost a reasonable amount of money and be very, very good. Well, and, and look at light bulbs, for yep. instance. Yep. You know, when we grew up, we had one light bulb yeah. base. If you wanted a brighter light, you screwed a, a Yeah, you can put a 60-watt watt bulb, you can put a 75-watt right. bulb, but they're all the same base, and they all fit. Now you, Nowadays, you go to the store, and there's 25 or 30 different light bulbs. You don't know what the heck fits what you got. Exactly. And they cost $25 each. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? You and, know? and they don't do any, any better. It's the same amount of light. You know, yep. it's just, I don't know. It's, it, it's on and on and on and on you go. But when you start introducing a lot of variation sure. into something, there are a small advantage to a small number of people but the big advantage to the big number of people is going to go away. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And it's going to definitely always increase cost. I remember when I was studying with Dr. Deming, that was one thing he preached over and over and over, reduce variation, reduce variation, reduce uh -huh. variation to lower cost. You know, The more you can standardize anything, right? the less it's going to cost. I mean, that's kind of what built the Industrial Revolution when the Springfield Armory decided, hey, we could take this little lock on this weapon and put it on this weapon. We can make one. And it'll fit it all of them. Well, now we don't have to have gunsmiths traveling with the troops. Exactly. So that was a big savings. And we can build these things a whole lot faster because we've got one guy making just this one part, another guy making this part. We don't have to have trained lock, you know, trained guns makers making each individual weapon. Sure. So the, the production went sky high. The cost came way down. And it's the same thing on everything you do. But when you start introducing variation into that, then the whole process, number one, you got to have a professional to service it because he has to understand all this different stuff. The average person can't comprehend it. Got to have special tooling well, you to know, work you, on it you with. You go to work on your faucet at your house now, and you unscrew this little line. Well, you go to the hardware store to get another one, and the first thing you see is like 300 different lines there. Yeah. Different thread sizes, different sealing methods, yak, 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 where one line could have worked on every single one of them. Exactly. Why, why it would have cost two dollars and now it costs 25 now it's 25 dollars for a custom line you got to wait a week to order it yeah <laughs> it's just yeah all it is is just very 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 confusing and never never more so than on automobiles oh man because we'll get into like a chevy pickup truck say a 2011 chevy pickup truck half ton two-wheel drive mm -hmm. you may have four different sets of brake pads that could fit that vehicle sure well, do you have the ones with the spring spreading how, fingers? How, how and, big are the rotors? Uh, yeah, how, how big are the rotors? Right. And is it this size? Is that? I mean, it just adds to the cost because the dealerships have to stock all these parts. Yep. So it costs more money to transport, save, to service, to, to store, store, to sell, to deliver all these varied parts, the wrong parts that get delivered. Now, that's costs all added back in. And really, it's to no one's advantage. No, the consumer's paying for it. Yeah, let's just find the best one and use that on all of them. Exactly. If, if there's good, better, best, let's just put the best on all of them. Yeah. And it would still It'd be, be cheaper. <laughs> and, and everybody would be good. <laughs> Back to the phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, guys. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Doing great. Hey, listen, uh, 2005 Chevy Silverado Z71 mm -hmm. airbag, uh, service airbags light came on. Okay. Is that a sensor possibility or? well it's man it's possibly been, anything yeah it's possibly 200 300 different <laughs> things i'm gonna tell you one of the most common things we see john on mm -hmm. that particular truck make mm -hmm. sure no one has stuck anything under the passenger seat or driver's seat and pulled one on that wiring harness because there's a harness up under that seat with the sensors that tell you whether you got an occupant in the seat or not 
That's mm-hmm. one of the most common things. Somebody shoves something on the seat and they hit that harness and they pull the harness loose. On the passenger side. Passenger's yeah. more common than drivers, but it could be either one because the driver okay. sits a little lower to the floor and it's not as easy to junk, stuff junk under. If you have a factory scan tool, you can tap into that system through the through the computer plug and mm-hmm. it'll pull up a code just like a check engine light. Oh, I do have one, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I well, if you get the code that. on it now, right. it, it's, it's lead not going to be in the power control module. It's going to be in, in the, the airbag button. module. Right. So. And you got to have a tool that is capable of going to that module. You know, that's, that's oh, why I said a factory tool. Yeah, you got to have like a tech two or a, a yeah, yeah, something like that. I, I've got the L cheapo model. So no, that's, yeah, that's just going to get you only going to go to the power module, power control Ooh, module. It won't get right. to the airbag module, but there'll be a code stored in there which will tell you where to start looking. And I mean, some of the common failures we do see there seat are seatbelt buckle. Yeah, seatbelt buckle can be bad, and not there's a switch mm-hmm. in there that tells it when it's buckled. Uh, sometimes the clock spring, which yep. is under the steering wheel, will go out on them. Sometimes is there a the crash under the uh, in the dash. In, not yep. The dash, in yep. The there's one, the one up on each frame rail, and there's another one under the dash. It's called uh, that's the arming sensors. Mm-hmm. Then also there's a battery pack in it, diagnostic energy reserve module that can go bad over time. So I mean, it's just endless. You 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 could guess at it from now on. You have to go in. Scan no, through. The only thing you can check yourself, make sure all the connectors are plugged in good, because that's yeah. one common yeah. thing just we see. Be careful about unplugging them and plugging them back. One more thing, and I'll let you guys go. Also, my four-wheel drive light came on. Mm-hmm. What Your thoughts on what that could be? Well, that's, that's, that's exactly the same thing as that airbag. Right. It's got a module for that which stores a code which will tell you what it is. The most common thing oh, is the switch okay. on the dash. That little switch on the dash, those go bad yeah. all the time. We change those okay. a lot. But okay. also the encoder motor can go right. bad, a wire can get unplugged, the solenoid and the front axle can go bad. I mean, on and on There's, and on and on. So it sets a code which tells you the circuit. You go in, check the code. You know, I mean, it's nothing that can't be diagnosed. Right, right. Okay, well, th- that gives me some uh, food for thought, so uh, I'll get to work on that. All I right, appreciate John. you guys. Thanks, man. All right, bye-bye. All right, buddy, thanks. All right, we're up for our last little break. We'll go ahead and get on out of there for that and be right back with a whole lot more. Hey, Mike, heading out for your run? (laughs) I just knocked out three miles myself. Yep, did my meditation this morning to de-stress, and now I'm going to get a little exercise. Tomorrow I need to take the car into the shop, though. That shaking problem's getting worse. Uh, You know, you should take care of your car like you take care of your body, and it would save you some money. What do you mean? Preventative maintenance is key. Me and Kathy bring our cars in once a year to ADCO for a general inspection. They give them the once-over and perform the maintenance needed to keep us on the road. I haven't had any kind of major problem with my cars in forever. I guarantee they would have caught the cause of your shaking issue and fixed it before it became a problem. And probably saved me money, too. Yep. All right, I'm heading home this evening for steak and lobster. Then Kathy and I are going to test run our new hot tub. Surf and turf and a new hot tub? Yeah, and champagne. Saving money on your car allows you to enjoy the finer things in life, Mike, my boy. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by the side. And between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go and give us a call. We still have a few minutes, 291-6901. You got it right that time. There you go, boy. <laughs> hey, it didn't take about 45 minutes to get it finally figured on out, huh? But uh, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about shops and, and stuff that goes uh-huh. on and all. And I know a lot of times we will get people who will come in and maybe they're mad about one thing or another. And when you start reviewing the facts, it really it's a misunderstanding mm-hmm. and 
I got to say, sometimes it's a misunderstanding on the customer's part. It's yeah. not always the shop's fault. Of course, not always the customer's fault either. But it can kind of go both ways. We had a guy who came in, and he had some brake noise in his car, and he was pretty mad because he had had his brakes done, he thought, just just done. He uh-huh. said, I just had these brakes redone. Now they're making noise, blah, 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 blah. Well, he brought his invoices in, and he had had the front brakes done two and a half years ago. Right. And that's fine, and the front brakes were great, but now the rear brakes had worn out. He said, well, why didn't he tell them? Well, two and a half years ago, the rear they brakes weren't, weren't worn out. Exactly. You know, what he did is, and he did make a note on his invoice that rear brakes would need to be replaced in the future. Right. Which is prudent. I mean, if you had, if, let's say the other side, he would have told you, okay, you need all four brakes right now. And you said, okay, I'm going to get them checked somewhere else. He goes, well, the other guy told you, no, these are still good for two and a half more years. You thought he's ripping you off. Sure. So he's kind of in a no-win situation. What the guy did, I think, is he tried to advise the guy, okay, you need front brakes now. In two and a half years, you'll need rear brakes. Right. But you got to understand all this kind of stuff. And you can't just get mad because your rear brakes went out. You can't blame the shop because something goes wrong on your car. Mm Mm-hmm particularly when we're dealing with older cars like so, so, so many people are today. I mean, the average cars we look at, they are maybe 10 years old or sure. older. So many of them have way over 100,000 miles on them. Stuff breaks. Right. You know, you may go in and have the air-conditioned compressor replaced on your car, and it's cooling perfectly, but a month later it quits cooling, and it's because an actuator went out or the control panel went out. Well, I know it's the same symptom. I know the air conditioner is not cooling, but everything that goes wrong, the it's, symptom is the, the same. Symptom. It's going to quit right. cooling. You know, this time it's an electrical part that failed under the dash. Last time it was a mechanical part that failed outside. Exactly. Or a rock could pop up and knock a hole in the condenser. It just It's one of those unforeseeable things. So the point is you can't just get mad at the shop when something happens because sometimes things do just happen. Sure. you got to look at the facts. Let's see if we can make one more phone call here. we got Dave online. Good morning, Dave. Okay, Lewis and Brian, i got a real easy one. I just bought an 08 Dodge Ram with a Hemi in it, 5.7, mm-hmm. and I changed the oil. The manual says 7 quarts. I put 7 quarts, and it looks like it's about a quart over on the dipstick. Just ignore the dipstick or what? It's I would make said, sure you got yeah. the right dipstick first off. Yeah. You know, being a used vehicle, someone could have changed the dipstick in it. That's possible. And I have seen where some cars just take less or take more, and in certain circumstances, they take more or less. You change the oil yourself, Dave? Yes. And you let every bit of it drain out, and I'm sure you did change the filter as well, huh? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of peculiar. I think if you had the seven quarts in there, you're certainly going to be okay. You yeah. know, why it's a quart over... Have you checked it again since then? Is, is it remaining a quart over? Well, it's not. It's over, but I wouldn't say a full quart. Just a little bit over? Yeah. I would probably right. drive it a little bit and make sure it doesn't settle down or something. You know, check it again, because if it's just a little bit over, that's not going to hurt anything. I would probably go with the specification more than the stick. Yeah. Okay, because specifications in the book says seven quarts. Right, but it could be the stick is just off a little bit. Okay. All right. All right. Will you give me a little peace of mind? Okay, right. man. Thanks for calling. Hey, we're just totally out of time. Tell everybody I much appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find the written review, and fill it out for us. There you go. You keep us on the air. Give good move us up in the rankings. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.